You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. We're going to be kicking off a brand new series tonight, New Song Students. Somebody say, new series? It's a series we're going to be in for the next four weeks, um, and we're calling it Names. Names. I need you to look to your neighbor and let them know, what's your name? What's your name? Okay, look to your other neighbor that you did not pick first. They're your second option, and you can just tell them what, what your name is. Tell them what your name is. Okay, okay, okay. Y'all, I could not be more pumped about this series that we're going to be in. Um, The topics that we're going to be diving into throughout the next month, it's going to be amazing. We're actually going to be shifting our focus a little bit in this series. Uh, We're going to be shifting our focus because for the last couple series, we've been doing um, a couple different things that we've been focusing on. We've had some amazing messages and series up to this point. How about XO? Y'all remember relationship series? So good. In my feelings, y'all like in my feelings. Did you get something out of that? Graves to gardens. We, we've tackled some. We've tackled some pretty good stuff up to this point. But uh, oh, and Molly's message last week. Where's Molly? Can somebody make some noise for that message? So good in my head. Wow, I listened to it twice. It was so good. You need to. You need to go back and listen to it. But um, we've been hitting some really, really good stuff up to this point. Um, But we're going to be shifting focus in this series that I'm really excited about. We're shifting focus from us to God. And it's not like we haven't been talking about God up until this point, because we definitely have been, right? We haven't been not talking about God, but we're going to be focusing more on answering the question, like, who is God? And what is he like? and, And what is his name? The focus for the past couple of months has been more on, you know, what is God's will for you? What's his perfect and pleasing will for you? How do you be in relationship with him? How, you, how do you walk in freedom for your life? We've been talking about things like your emotions, your struggles, your relationships, your freedom. So this has been our focus, but we're shifting the focus uh, for this series. We're going to be um, shifting the focus because this series, guess what? It ain't about you. Somebody say, it ain't about me. It ain't about you. But you're going to learn a lot about you through this series, I promise you. Um, Because check this out. We're going to be answering the question, who is God? Who is God? What What is he like? Because that's a really important question to ask and for you to answer. Because the way you answer the question, who is God, determines everything about your entire life. Because we all answer that question differently sometimes. The way you answer the question, who is God, is going to determine every single aspect of your life. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. We become like what we worship. We become like who we worship. There's a quote that I stumbled upon this week. I want to read it to you. It's really, it's really good. It says this, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental, mental image of God. In other words, whatever we think God is like, we move towards that. Here's what it says. If we're able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes to mind when you think of God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. So in other words, this is what it says. Tell me what you think God is like, 
and I'll tell you what your future looks like. That's pretty powerful. Tell me what you think God is like, and I'll tell you what your future is. And, and this is true for us. Like, think about this. If, if you think God is distant, if you think as God is a distant God, that's going to determine how you live your life, right? You're not going to go to him when you walk through a struggle because he's distant. He's not going to help you anyway, right? You're not going to have an intimate prayer life with a distant God because why would he want to talk to you in the first place, right? How about this? If you think that God is not your ultimate provider, that's going to determine the way you live your life, right? If you don't think God can provide for your every needs, like, you know how the Bible says God dresses the lilies and he like, you know, the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat because God feeds them. If we don't really believe that, if we don't believe God is actually able to provide for us, then that's going to affect the way you live. You're not going to live generously because if you give, what about you? If I give, what about me? How am I going to have enough for me? Because you don't think God can actually provide for you. If you think that God is out to get you, that's going to determine the way you live your life. You're going to live your life covered in shame. If you think God is blank, you you see where I'm going with this? If you think God is blank, that's going to determine the way you live your life. So the focus on this series is going to be answering that question. What is God actually like? Who is God actually, because the way we answer that is a big deal. It's a big deal. And so I came ready to give y'all a word. Are you ready for this? Somebody's ready, but I don't know if all of y'all ready. I said, are you ready for this? There we go. Okay. If you're taking notes, which you should be, but you don't have to, you can get a journal out or your phone. If you just want to follow along and listen, everything's going to be on the screen behind me. But we're going to be kicking off looking in a uh, passage in Scripture found in Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And uh, this is a really cool passage because in this passage, God answers two questions about himself that we're going to be asking tonight. And this passage, Exodus 34, is the most quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible in all of the, in all of the Bible. Does that make sense? That was kind of confusing. Let me say it this way. Exodus 34 is quoted by more biblical authors than any other passage in the entire Bible. They go back to this passage the most because it's God telling us who he is and what he's like. They answer, in this passage, he's going to tell us what his name is and what he's like. And so where we pick up in this story, we find Moses. Y'all remember Moses from Prince of Egypt? Yeah. It is a good movie. That's correct. You need to see it. Um, We find Moses. It's after the children of Israel have been freed from Egypt, and he's at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and he's basically asking God, like, God, I want to know you more. I want to experience your presence. And then God invites him up to the top of the mountain, and this is what happens. Check this out. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets, the, the first, like the first ones, and went to the top of Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord God came down in a cloud and stood with him. Kind of crazy. Like God's just right there with Moses and proclaimed his name. So he's about to tell Moses his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, which that's translated to Yahweh, Yahweh. So God's telling Moses his name right here, Yahweh, Yahweh. 
the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. Okay, whoa, what did we just read? Well, in this passage, Moses is asking God, I want to know you more. I want to experience your presence in a greater way. And God's like, okay, I'm going to tell you my name. And God has a name. I don't know if you knew that. And it's not God. His name is Yahweh. God's name is Yahweh. And we're going to be answering this question tonight. Who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? So let's pray before we get into this. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight and this new series that we're in. And God, I pray that just for all of us, that we would just receive a fresh revelation of who you really are. Not who we think you are, not who we want you to be for us, but who you really are, God. And so tonight we come ready. We're ready to receive what you have to say to us. Open up our eyes to see who you are, God. Who is Yahweh? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Is anybody terrible at remembering names? Sort of. Um, Have you ever done this thing before? I do this all the time where you're meeting somebody new for the first time and the first thing you ask them, you're like, hey, what's your name? And they tell you their name, but you weren't listening (laughs) because you just said, what's your name? Because that's the nice thing to do. And then five minutes into the conversation, you're like, crap, I don't remember what your name is. And I just asked you what your name. Have you ever been there before? I used to be really bad at memorizing names um, but I changed that. I tried to change that after meeting a guy um, from my old youth group. He was one of our youth pastors. Now, I grew up at Gateway Church, which if you're not familiar with Gateway Church, it is a massive church in Dallas, Texas. It's a mega church. And um, so our youth group was built up of like seven other campuses. And like each campus had like hundreds of students and each campus had their own campus pastor, but there was this team of pastors called the Central Team Pastors, and what they would do is they were the ones that were actually giving the messages on Wednesday nights, and they would rotate between campuses to go meet all the students, and you know, there's like three or four of them, and they're all really great great guys, but you know, some of them are more personable than others, and some of these uh, Central Team Pastors would come to our campus, we were at the Gateway Frisco campus, And some of them would like come, preach their message and just go home and you wouldn't really see them. Some of them would just hang out in the green room in the back the whole time. But there was one named Brian Cromer. And I've actually talked about him before because he was a baller. Brian Cromer was one of our our youth pastors at Gateway and he had a superpower. He had a superpower. He had the ability to remember your name. Now I know you're probably like, that's not a superpower. But think about it. Brian Cromer was a youth pastor of hundreds and thousands of students. And he had the ability to remember your name out of one conversation that he had with you. It was crazy. Like one time I had a conversation with him and I was in high school and then I didn't see him for like months, like four or five months. And one night on our Wednesday night, I see him in the lobby, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's Brian Cromer. But in the back of my head, I'm, like, thinking, he probably doesn't remember me. Like, we talked, like, months ago. 
But I went and said hi anyway. And as I'm walking up to him, he's like, Jackson, what's up, dude? And I'm like, what? I haven't seen you in months. I'm just some high school kid, like just some dude. And he's like, Jackson, what's up, dude? Hey, how's drumline going? And he's just remembering all this stuff about me. And I was like, are you kidding me? This dude remembered my name. Now, the reason why Brian did this was because he knew names are powerful. He knew that names are powerful. When you remember somebody's name, it's not just remembering like a label about them. You're like helping them feel known. He knew that names were powerful and that names meant something and that, you know, you can't even be in a relationship with somebody that you don't know their name, right? Have you ever known somebody over a course of a, of a period of time, but you forgot their name and you call them like bro or girl? You're like, hey, bro, but you don't remember their name. Or like, what's up, girl? But you don't know who they are. You can't be in relationship with them, right? Because you don't know their name. Names, names are powerful. Um, but, you know, we see in today's day and age, you know, names are powerful. Like, if you remember somebody's name, that's a really cool thing. It's intimate. It helps you feel seen. But we don't see names the way the Bible saw names back in the day. The way Hebrew people and the biblical authors saw names and viewed names was completely different. Because we tend to see names as more or less like a label. It's who you are and a group of other people. But if you were a Hebrew person in biblical times, you knew that your name was everything about you. Like your name was literally like who you are. It was literally a description of you. There's a quote I found about names in the Bible from a pastor, and here's what he says. He says this, your name was your identity, your destiny, the truth hidden in the marrow of your bones. It was a one-word moniker, or like a one-word saying, for the truest thing about you, your inner essence, your inner Tomness, your inner Ruthness, your inner Emanness, your inner Austinness. Like your name in Bible times was who you were in a word form. So like names were really powerful. And in fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Your name is your nature. Your name is your nature. And we see this all throughout the Bible because, you know, when people's names were changed in the Bible, there's a bunch of people in the Bible and their names were changed. And when God was giving them a new name, he wasn't just slapping a new sticker on their chest with a new name, a new label. That name represented like a completely new person. It represented a new nature. Like, for instance, we've got Abraham. You know, Abraham wasn't always called Abraham. He used to be called Abram. But he experiences something. He experiences this moment where he trusts God. He places his faith in God. And God counts his faith as righteousness. And in that moment, God renames him to Abraham. So his name goes from meaning exalted father, which is Abram, which is still a pretty good meaning, right? It's a pretty good name. It goes from that to father of many nations. And so his name is literally changed to his calling, his nature, his new nature. We've got another guy who gets his name changed and it's Saul, right? You guys are probably familiar with Saul. Saul was that Pharisee that hated the name of Jesus, hated Christians. He was trying to stop the good news from spreading at all costs. And then he meets Jesus. Uh-oh. He meets Jesus. 
and he has a crazy encounter with Jesus. His life is changed forever. He's literally given a new nature, and he's also given a new name. And his new name means small or humble. So he goes from being this dude who's really dangerous and really bad, he's bad to the bone, to being small and humble. Because his name represented his nature. It was a new nature. And you know, we don't necessarily get new names when we give our lives to Jesus, but the Bible says that we are a new creation. That when you and I give our lives to Jesus in that moment, instantly, you're a new person. And you actually go from being a slave to a son. So you get a new name. And I say all of this to say this. When Moses, uh, when God is telling Moses his name in this story that we're reading, it's so much more than God just telling him a label. Like it's so much more than God just being like, this is my name tag, Yahweh written in Sharpie, this is what you can call me. Like it's so much more than that. God's not just telling Moses his name, God's telling Moses his nature. He's inviting God in on like an intimate place. He's inviting, or he's inviting Moses into an intimate place to know him in a greater way. So I want to rewind in the biblical story. We're going to go back a couple chapters to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, where we find Moses tending his father's sheep. And if you're familiar with this story, um, this is, uh, you know, who has seen Prince of Egypt, by the way? If you have not seen Prince of Egypt, please go home right now and watch Prince of Egypt. I went back and watched this scene because it's so good. It made me cry. But in this, in this passage we're about to read, Moses is out in the wilderness because he used to live in Egypt, but he accidentally killed an Egyptian because he saw this Egyptian uh, being unfair to another Hebrew person. So he kills him, he freaks out, and he runs away. And then we find Moses with a wife, He's settled down. He's in Midian. Midian, And uh, this is 40 years later after he's left Egypt and he's just doing shepherd stuff. He's just being a shepherd. When all of a sudden he experiences like the most iconic encounter with God like in all the Bible. Because he walks in on a bush that's burning, but it's not burning, which is like so cool. I would love to see that. And so he does what any of us would do, and he goes and checks it out. It's like, what is going on over here? And he goes to look, and then boom, God starts speaking to him through the bush. So this is where we pick up. Check this out. This is God talking. Here's what he says. The Israelite cry for help has come to me, and I've seen, my, and I've seen for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you, Moses, to go back. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses answered God, why me? What makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? I love what God says right here. I'll be with you. I'll be with you, God said. And check this out. And this will be the proof that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you will worship God right here on this very mountain. Pause. That's, that actually happens. Because <laughs> that's what we read at the very beginning in Exodus chapter 34. They're on the mountain. So God did it. Check this out. Then Moses said to God, suppose I go to the people 
of Israel, and I tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What do I tell them? I love this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Powerful. I am who I am. Tell the people, I am sent you. So get this. Moses is talking with God, and he's feeling a little anxious, obviously, about this plan that God is laying out to him. Uh, God is calling Moses out of comfortability. God's calling Moses up to like a, a greater level of leadership. He wants to be, he wants to use Moses in a powerful way, but Moses is just looking for a way out of this plan because he's nervous. <laughs> he does not want to do this plan because he's scared. So he's trying to find ways to trip God up. And he's like asking God all these questions. Why are you picking me? What, what do they, what do they do if Um, they ask for your name and I don't know what your name is. And it's almost like he's expecting God to respond with like, oh, you're right, Moses. I didn't think about that. You know what? You should just stay in Midian. I'm sorry I even asked. (laughs) Or like like God's going to say like, you're right. You're right, Moses. I actually can't use you. You know what? I'm sorry. I'll just go ask somebody. I'll go ask your brother Aaron. Uh, But that's not what God does. I don't know what Moses was was thinking God was going to do. Um, but he keeps pressing God because he doesn't want to go on with this plan because it scares him. And God tells him a name. God responds not with a label to be placed on himself, but with his nature. He says, I am who I am. Now, this may sound like a strange response from God because that's not a name. <laughs> What's your name? I am who I am. Like, that's a sentence, God, not a name. <laughs> That's a sentence. This, this may sound strange, but remember, according to the Bible, according to biblical times, your name was so much more than a label. Your name had a meaning. And so in this moment, um, God is not just giving Moses his name, but he's giving Moses the meaning of his name. And so God says, Moses says, what's your name? And God responds with, my name is Yahweh. Here's what Yahweh means. I am who I am. Yahweh means I am who I am. So God is saying, my name is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My name's not creator. My name is not king of kings. My name is not Lord. My name's not God. My name is Yahweh. I'm all of those things, but my name, if you want to know me intimately, my name is Yahweh. So this is what, this is what God tells Moses. And, and God doesn't just uh, give Moses this label but he gives him the meaning of his name. I am who I am. And so tonight, as we just get ready to close, I want to look at what this means for us. I am who I am. What does Yahweh mean for you and me? I think there's three things that we can learn from that phrase. I am who I am. First one is this. Yahweh is God. Some of y'all are like, duh. (laughs) But you got to look at the parentheses. Yahweh is God. And I'm talking about he's God like, and you are not. Yahweh is God and you are not. Moses is having this conversation with God and he says, hey God, what makes you think I can do this? Like what makes you think the people are gonna listen to me? What makes you think Pharaoh's gonna listen to me? And God responds with his nature, a side of his nature that I think is hard for every single person. And it's this, his authority. Have you ever had somebody uh, tell you, somebody in authority over you, maybe it was a coach or a parent 
or a teacher tell you something that you didn't like and then maybe you questioned it. Maybe you were like, why do I have to do it that way? Or uh, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way instead. And then they, they say the thing that just makes everybody feel some type of way where they say, because I said so. Has that ever happened to you before? Ugh. It just like, it hurts right here when they say that. Because I said so. You know, I think that authority, authority, whether we're talking about God's authority or another person's authority can be so hard for us because to follow someone else's authority requires you and I to give up something that we don't want to give up, and that's control. How many, how many of you like control? I like control. If your hand's not up right now, you straight up lying in church, and Jesus sees you. We all hate, we all hate to give up control. And we literally see Moses in this story like trying so hard not to give up control to God. He's asking God all these questions to try and get out of giving God all authority in his life. And we see this happen in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve question God's authority. They're like, well, what if God doesn't really want what's best for me? What if his, his way isn't actually my best way? And why, why can't I do what feels right in the moment? And God still be in authority over my life and be a good authority. And they question God's authority, and we all know where that leads them. And we do this. We want control. We want authority. But I don't think any of us would say this, but we actually want to be in God's spot. Like, we want to be the one who says what we can do and what we can't do. And, and we want to play the God spot. The problem is, when we don't look at God as the ultimate authority in our life, then we begin to follow a God that looks a lot like us. I want to read a quote to you that I came across. It is crazy. Here's what it says. It says, here's how you know if you've created a God in your own image. He hates all of the people you hate. He agrees with you on everything. He voted for the person you voted for. If you're a Republican, so is he. If you're a Democrat, so is he. If you're passionate about blank, then God is passionate about blank. If you're open and elastic about sexuality, so is he. Above all, he's tame. You never get mad at him or blown away by him or scared by him because he's controllable. And check this out. This is powerful. And of course, he's a figment of your imagination. So check this out, New Song students. That was a, that was a, that was a powerful quote, but here's, here's what we need to know. Here's what we need to know. Here's when you know you're following a God that you've created. When he's too easy to follow. When he never challenges you. When this God that you're following never asks you to get out of your comfort zone. When this God never asks you to repent. When he never asks you to forgive somebody that you don't want to forgive. When he always does what you want him to do. But New Song students... The Yahweh that we're talking about tonight, he's so much bigger than this. He's so much greater than this. And he desires so badly that you would know the real him, not the fake version of him that, that you and I tend to create. But if we're going to step into the relationship that he has for us, that he so badly desires for us to experience, it's going to require you and I allowing him to have this thing that we don't like, which is full authority in your life. And it's going to allow you to trust that he is a good leader. 
that he's a perfect leader. In fact, Psalm 23, I'm gonna read this to you before we get to our next point, is who God is to a T. He's a good leader. This is, this is God's authority. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the sunless valley, even though I walk through really terrible stuff, I fear no evil because you are with me. So check this out, New Song students. What we learn about the name of Yahweh, what we learn about God is that he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. And guess what? That's a really good thing. It's a lot better than you being God. Point number two is this. Yahweh is always God. And in parentheses, it says consistency. He's consistent. God is always going to be God. He's always going to be consistent to his character. He'll do it. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it no matter what. And we literally see him doing this with Moses. He says, I'll be with you. And God said, check this out. This is the proof that I'm going to be with you, that I'm going to be the one you sent. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you will worship God right here on this very mountain. And when we fast forward 31 chapters, we find out, guess what? God did exactly what he said he would do because God's consistent. God is consistent. He's not just for you right now. He's always for you. He's not just your provider right now. He's always your provider. Whatever God says, he's going to do that thing to the 100,000th degree all the time because God is consistent. And God's not like some of the bad examples of authority that we have in our life. He's not going to do something where he promises you something and then falls back on that promise like some bad leaders do. He's not going to call you to do something that he's not also going to help you with. He's not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to be in there right in the middle with you with because God is consistent. He's always the same. James 1.17 says this, Every good gift, good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So check this out. What we learn from the name of Yahweh is that he will do what he said he'll do. That's what he's going to do. And the last thing that he says, and we can get some music going as we close, is this. Yahweh is able. Yahweh is able. And in parentheses, you can write powerful. And we look at this. When we look at Moses' story, uh, we find Moses wrestling with God because he's scared. He's asking God, why me? God, why me? I don't feel like I'm able to do this. I don't feel like I'm capable to do this. I don't understand how you're going to work all this out. I feel weak. I don't understand. And this is what God tells Moses. I love this part, especially in Prince of Egypt. You've got to see this part in Prince of Egypt. It's epic. But Moses is finding more excuses. He finds one more excuse. And the Bible actually says, and not in this version, but in one version it says, this one makes God angry. (laughs) Because Moses just keeps finding ways to, to get out of this plan. And it says, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. 
but I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, Moses is saying, you can't use me because I'm a bad talker. I'm really bad at speeches. And I love God's response. Then the Lord said to him, who has made your mouth? Who makes the man mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with you in your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I love this because how many times in our lives do we find ourselves in the exact same shoes as Moses where God's calling us to something and it's like, God, I don't know if I can do it. God, I don't know if I'm able. God, I don't know if, I don't know if you can do this thing with me. I don't think you can use me. You probably just shouldn't use me. And we're, we're coming up with all these excuses of why God shouldn't use us and I love God's response to Moses. Hey, don't forget who you're talking to. Who created you? Who created your mouth? Who gave you those gifts and talents in the first place? Who gave you that ability to love people well? Who gave you that ability to learn? Who gave you that ability to, to be in your family and to love them well? Who gave you this? I did. And I'm able to, I'm able to, to keep it up. And so here's, here's what... I want us to walk away with tonight, New Song students. I don't know what you're walking in with tonight. I don't know what maybe you're struggling with or wrestling with God with, but what I want you to see and what we see when we learn God's name is that he's able. God is able, he's powerful, he's consistent, but he can't be those things if we don't first make him our authority. If we don't first trust him to be good in the first place. So right now, I wanna just give you guys a moment as we close, invite, invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you find yourself here tonight and we've all done it before, but maybe you've been following a God that you, you've created in your mind lately. Maybe you find yourself here tonight and, and you've been going through the motions and the God that you've been following isn't challenging you. He's not calling you out. He's not calling you up. Maybe you're here tonight and you're having trouble releasing that control to God because you're afraid. Well, what if he, what if he doesn't take care of me? What if he doesn't do what I expected him to do? If that's you tonight, we've all been there before. Can I remind you, God is good. God is able. He's a good and perfect father. His name is Yahweh. It means I am who I am. I can only be who I am. I can only be good to you. I can only be perfect towards you. Father God, we thank you for being God and we thank you that you are God and we are not and we're sorry if we've ever placed you below us we're sorry if we've ever chosen to go our own way because we didn't think your way was best God we we remember tonight that you your way is best that you are God and we are not and we give you our trust we give you our heart and I pray that as we do that we would see you be Yahweh in the rest of our life. We would see you be consistent. We would see you be able to do all things that you called us to do. And I pray tonight, God, as we continue in a small group, that you would just begin to, 
reveal yourself in new and fresh ways to every single student tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.